Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Thursday, August 13th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Some facts about left-handedness for International Left-Handers Day. Why you should invest in bird poop. Why Tony Hawk just renamed the Mute Air Skateboard Trick. And how Australian bars turned their excess expired beer from lockdown into renewable energy. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Southpaws, today is your day. Today, August 13th, is officially International Left-Handers Day. Founded in 1992 by the UK-based Left-Handers Club, Left-Handers Day is a day to raise public awareness about the advantages and disadvantages of being left-handed. According to the official website, celebrations around the globe in recent years have included, quote, left versus right sports matches, a left-handed tea party, pubs using left-handed corkscrews where patrons drank and played pub games with the left hand only, and nationwide lefty zones where left-handers' creativity, adaptability, and sporting prowess were celebrated whilst right-handers were encouraged to try out everyday left-handed objects to see just how awkward it can feel using the wrong equipment. End quote. And in the spirit of raising awareness about left-handedness, I thought I'd share a number of facts about being left-handed and some of the latest theories behind handedness. So about 10% of people are left-handed, and that unequal distribution of handedness is uniquely human, going back at least 10,000 years based on evidence from prehistoric art. Most other animals have a more equal representation of left and right-handed, or pod or what have you, individuals. And some studies have shown that people who are left-handed may have more self-control, are better at video games because they're skilled at processing large amounts of information quickly, are more competitive than cooperative, recover more quickly from brain-related injuries because cognitive functions are more spread out in their brains and therefore less functions are affected in an injury, they have better spatial orientation and have a lower prevalence of arthritis and ulcers. That last one, though, isn't thought to have anything to do with being left-handed, but rather with some of the underlying DNA that may cause left-handedness. Last year, a team from Oxford studied the physical, genetic, and medical data of 500,000 individuals, also including the brain imaging of 9,000 of those individuals. And from this, they, quoting Gizmodo, devised a list of genetic variations that contribute to the way different brain processes end up on either side of the brain. This, in turn, influences handedness and can also influence whether someone will develop certain neurological diseases, according to the paper published in the journal Brain. The analysis also revealed four locations in our genomes whose identity was associated with left-handedness, three of which were also associated with brain development, specifically areas related to language. We discovered that in left-handed participants, the language areas of the left and right sides of the brain communicate with each other in a more coordinated way. Akira Weiberg, a research fellow at the University of Oxford and the study's first author, said in a press release, end quote. And those neurological and psychological conditions that the study showed some links between include that left-handed people may be more likely to experience schizophrenia and anorexia nervosa, but less likely to have Parkinson's disease. Now, as with so many studies into handedness, however, the connections are mostly modest correlations, and there's not really definitive evidence on all of this yet. But let's go back to that 10% number for a moment. Why, for at least 10,000, but likely up to 500,000 years, have left-handed people remained at roughly 10% of the human population? 
Daniel M. Abrams proposed a theory for this in a TED-Ed video, quoting Fast Company, The reason boils down to two words, competition and cooperation, and how the balance between those forces plays out in human societies. Let's start with competition. It's easy to see how being left-handed could give you a competitive edge in a society where fighting hand-to-hand -hand was the only option for survival. Since most people were used to fighting right-handed opponents, lefties, despite being a minority, came to a fight with an element of surprise. As Abrams puts it, The fighting hypothesis where an imbalance in the population results in an advantage for left-handed fighters and athletes is an example of negative frequency-dependent selection. But if it's such an advantage, then why did lefties not increase their numbers? Why did we never break 10%? According to Abrams, evolution dictates that groups with that aforementioned negative advantage, like left-handedness, tend to grow within a population until that advantage disappears. If humans did nothing but fight each other throughout history, lefties might have blossomed to become at least half of the population." End quote. But that's not what happened. Humans have to cooperate to survive as well, and left-handers were at a disadvantage for things like building and using tools and musical instruments, participating in some social customs, and working with complex machinery. Quoting again, all these things put the left-handed people at a disadvantage, simply by virtue of the fact that most tools are made with the right-handed majority in mind. That's not great for left-handed populations. As Abrams explains, cooperative pressure pushes left-handed distribution in the opposite direction, basically keeping the lefty population stable. End quote. But hey, just because left-handed folks make up a minority of the population doesn't mean they haven't made significant contributions to human society over the millennia. Left-handed folks with their alleged artistic minds and definite competitive spirit often end up in creative fields or leadership positions meaning some very influential people have been left-handed. Here's just a few. Mother Teresa, both Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, Murray Curry, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Barack Obama, Spike Lee, Harpo Marx, Nikola Tesla, Alan Turing, Mozart, Lady Gaga, Jimi Hendrix, James Baldwin, Jermaine Greer, Joan of Arc, apparently, and Keanu Reeves and Oprah Winfrey. So yeah, left-handers can count some pretty impressive folks among their ranks, and today is a great opportunity to remember that and appreciate the left-handed people in your life. I like the left-handers club's suggestion of celebrating by having us right-handed people use left-handed supplies to see just how awkward it is, and then advocating for more left-handed accommodations in schools and offices. I mean, just because they're minority doesn't mean they shouldn't have accessible accommodations. And, you know, hey, maybe if we take away some of the disadvantages of being left-handed, over time, the population of left-handed folks will finally increase. You never know. The world is changing. The economy is changing. And now the latest valuable commodity is not gold, not Bitcoin. It's bird poop. Specifically, seagull, pelican, and penguin excrement, or guano. According to CNN, guano could be worth more than half a billion dollars annually. The reason for this is that it can be used as commercial fertilizer, specifically for marine ecosystems. Quoting CNN, In an effort to raise awareness about the importance of seabirds in conserving their habitats, scientists set out to quantify the contributions of seabirds and illustrate the actual cost of declining seabird populations by valuing their waste. It's not petty cash. Its value is estimated at more than $473 million each year, and possibly much more. 
According to a new paper published today in the journal Trends in Ecology and Evolution, Guano production is an ecosystem service made by seabirds at no cost to us. I can go to an island, collect the guano, and sell it at market price as fertilizer. Study co-author Marcus V. Russo, an ecology professor at the Federal University of Goiás in Brazil, said in a press release. Because there is this scientific and biological importance, it's possible to quantify seabird ecosystem services in a language that the general public and policymakers can begin to understand. End quote. Even where the fertilizer isn't directly introduced into commercial markets, it's still an important nutrient resource in marine systems and for coastal economies, and the team behind the recent study also analyzed the cost of losing this natural fertilizer. Quoting again, Researchers estimated the annual value of the nitrogen and phosphorus deposited into these ecosystems from seabird poop by calculating the cost to replace them with artificial nutrients. As it turns out, failing to protect seabirds would get expensive. We made a very conservative estimate that 10% of coral reef fish stocks depend on seabird nutrients, said Plazas Jimenez. According to the United States and the Australian government, the annual economic returns of commercial fisheries on coral reefs is over $6 billion. So 10% of this value is around $600 million per year. When you combine that with the commodified guano figure of nearly $474 million, the value of seabird poop increases to an estimated $1 billion. In these terms, seabird conservation doesn't sound like a crappy investment at all. End quote. And scientists hope all of this will convince policymakers to invest in the conservation of seabirds. Almost half of seabird species are declining and a third of them are endangered, and this is due in large part to climate change, but also bycatch and overfishing. So save the penguins and the seagulls. As annoying as they are, we need their feces. So you may have heard that the greatest video game of all time, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, is getting a remaster. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 is coming out September 4th on Microsoft Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. The demo reviews are saying that it is a masterclass in rebooting a beloved game. It brings back all the excitement and vibes of the original game while updating it for our current times. But one update required an explanation from Tony Hawk. The skateboarding trick, the Mute Air, in which you grab the front of your board with your forward hand while in the air, has been renamed. Here's what Hawk said in his Instagram post announcing the change yesterday. Quote, For nearly 40 years, we've shamelessly referred to this trick as the mute air slash grab. Here's the backstory. Around 1981, a deaf skater and Colton Skate Park local named Chris Weddle was a prominent amateur on the competition circuit. The indie air had just been created and named, so somebody proposed that grabbing with the front hand should be known as the tracker air. Others countered that Chris was the first to do it, so it should be named after him. They referred to him as the quiet mute guy, so it became known as the mute air, and we all went along with it in our naive youth. In recent years, a few people have reached out to Chris, who still skates, about this trick and the name it was given. He's been very gracious in his response, but it is obvious that a different name would have honored his legacy, as he's hearing impaired but not lacking in speech. I asked him last year as I was diving into trick origins, and he said he would have rather named it the deaf or Weddle grab if given the choice. His exact quote to me was, I am deaf, not mute. So as we embark on the upcoming Tony Hawk the Game demo release, some of you might notice a trick name change, the Weddle Grab. It's going to be challenging to break the habit of saying the old name, but I think Chris deserves the recognition. 
Thanks to Derek DeLao for being a great advocate to the deaf community in action sports and for being the catalyst in this renaming process. I told Chris recently, and his reply was, I'm so stoked, end quote. I think it's pretty awesome that Tony Hawk used the opportunity of the game remaster coming out to rename the trick in a way that would really make a huge splash. As writer Ian Walker wrote on Kotaku, quote, As with many hobbies, the upper echelons of skateboarding have long been dominated by white dudes who have the privilege of rarely coming face-to-face with obstacles based on their identity. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 may play like the old games, but in improvements like changing the mute air to the Weddle and expanding the lineup with more diverse skaters, the developers are moving this iconic franchise in the right direction. End quote. When lockdown hit much of the world in March, forcing bars and restaurants to close, a lot of them were left with huge supplies of food and booze that they couldn't sell. Here in New York City, where bars had just put in big orders for St. Patrick's Day, they were at least able to fulfill delivery and takeout orders. For several weeks, many bars added entire cases of beer at steep discount to their delivery menus. It was actually pretty awesome. But in Australia, they got even more creative. In the state of South Australia, local breweries sent millions of liters of stale beer to the Glenelg Wastewater Treatment Plant, just west of Adelaide. And that beer has been converted into renewable energy to power the plant. Quoting CNN, The plant mixes organic industrial waste with sewage sludge to produce biogas, which is then turned into electricity to power the whole facility. It usually generates enough biogas to provide about 80% of its energy needs. But the recent influx of beer has boosted its energy generation to new levels, reaching 654 megawatt hours in a single month, Lisa Hanat, senior manager of production and treatment at SA Water, said in a statement. Beer worked well for the plant's digesters, Hanat said, referring to the large sealed concrete tanks where sewage sludge is heated in an oxygen-free environment and decomposed to produce methane-rich biogas. The booze's high calorific value, the amount of heat released during combustion, makes it perfect for the anaerobic digestion process, she added. End quote. Hanat further said that the 300,000-some-odd cubic meters of biogas being generated each month now is enough to power 1,200 houses. Hanat is also a real joker, saying in the statement, quote, Honorably, our thirsty digesters have been doing their bit for the environment by drinking themselves silly. And with such a horrific diet, it's no wonder they produce so much gas. End quote. And this is just the latest example of people creatively innovating on what was previously thought of as waste. Beer is particularly difficult to dispose of in any environmentally friendly way, so finding a sustainable use for it like this is beyond awesome. And I hope there's a way to make it continue, even when breweries don't have as much extra beer lying around as they did this past spring. One more quick hit for you. AMC Theaters is reopening next Thursday the 20th in towns where they're allowed to. And in order to entice people to return to the movie theater, they are bringing back the ticket prices of the year 1920. For one day only, you can get tickets for just 15 cents. And since the lineup of movies is so slim right now, they're also bringing back a lot of the classics that have been topping drive-in box offices this summer, including The Goonies, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Empire Strikes Back, and Black Panther, which has apparently already been lifted up as a classic, which I am totally here for. 
The exact lineup of movies and which ones fall under the 15 cent promotion does vary a little theater by theater and movie by movie, but it seems like most places and movies are included. And of course, despite all of the many safety guidelines that AMC Theaters is following, there are several states, like mine, that still haven't allowed movie theaters to open at all yet. But if cases are low in your town and you feel safe going to the theater, one thing's for sure, it has never been cheaper. And with that, I will leave you for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media. I am Jackson Bird. I hope you all have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.